Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And we have a special early college football preview with a special guest on the Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, you know it. You know he had to be here. Could we do college without the guy with all the college knowledge? No, no, no. Brad Powers. I read nine newspapers a day. (laughs) To my right, he's back. He is back. You're wondering who? These are the 24th Pythons, the largest arms to ever enter Gold's Gym Daddy. (laughs) Ken Thompson (laughs) with a special sound drop. Me, I'm R.J. Bell. Guys, this is literally a month's worth of college football you'll get in the next hour and 20 or so. We're going to talk about, in fact, this is really a pick show. Picks, people love picks. Brad and Ken are going to give us an over or under in each conference of the major. So that's 10. I'm just doing some simple math. That's 10 over-unders, right, Brad? Yep. Five conferences. Yep. Two people. Yep. That's 10. Now, now, we're going to have a week one best bet from Brad and Ken. That's two, so that's 12. Also, we're going to be going over a prop, Alabama versus Clemson. But more specifically, Alabama and Clemson versus the field. And one of these Vegas casinos has a second tier of teams. That's going to be interesting. Clemson, Georgia, and Michigan together. See, that's weird. They've got this South Point. They've got Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Michigan. So you're kind of, in a way, I get it now. It's, It's like it's really Alabama versus Clemson. Yes. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. So there's a lot of your opinion on Clemson, your opinion on Alabama will dictate so much this year because these teams, these two are so dominant. Also, the biggest games of the year. So, so far, 10 picks in the conferences, two week one games. And we're not going to give picks on every one of these games, but Ohio State, Michigan, LSU, Alabama, what a shocking line that is. Notre Dame, Georgia, Nebraska, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas. Then the best bets are going to be decided. And at the very end, we'll talk a little NBA, but we're going to put that at the very end. So if you're listening to this after, you know, July 10th or so, if you're like July 20th, whatever, this college stuff is evergreen. It's going to be fresh and worth listening to later. NBA stuff, maybe not as much, is going to be at the very end of the podcast. Showtime! Woo! I think we start Alabama and Clemson. So, Brad, you have your power ratings. 130 teams <laughs> to a tenth of a point. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Well, no. 
No, no, no. Amateurs would do a tenth of a point. A hundredth of a point. <laughs> so much fun. Right now, what would the line be, in your opinion, and let's compare it to the market, because I'm guessing the projected line's out there, Alabama-Clemson. I have Alabama one point better than Clemson. That would be my projected line. Ken? I got to pick them. I couldn't decide right now. The quarterback edge I still give to Clemson, but there's a lot of holes in that defense. Again, both teams reload. Clemson reloads like Alabama has been doing for the last decade. Prop is available right now at Golden Nugget, and it hasn't moved. Clemson minus two over Alabama, so I'm a little bit different than the market. Okay, so both of you are saying you like Alabama more. I do. Now, what we talked about about, what, five, six weeks ago, how much of this is, and it's funny, when you're Brad's age, 35, you you know you're not a kid anymore, but you got some of the habits of a kid, and all you've known really is Alabama being dominant, or at least it's been so – I mean, think about it. When did you become really cognizant of college football as in you had opinions, you were making – let's say 15. Does yep. that sound right? 20 years. How long has Alabama been dominant? 10 years. So for half of your uh, – I mean, I would say betting life, life. Betting uh, life. Betting – that's a perfect yeah. way to say it, Ken. Betting life, for half of that betting life, it's been, hey, if you buck – Nick Saban, if you question him, you're a fool. Are you maybe like the old timer saying, you know, I've got this stat, the rushing yard, if they rush for 400 yards, (laughs) you know, and you have a 10-point underdog, come on. Now, when we had that conversation, you said, you know, there might be something to what you're saying, RJ. Have you contemplated that? I have contemplated it. There's probably a little bit of truth for that. An Alabama team that in the last 10 years has only been an underdog in one game. So there a is A one-point dog against one Georgia, won by like 30, right? Yes. And I'm still comfortable having Alabama won. I rewatched the championship game, and I think there's just a, a, a massive overreaction to that final score. So why was the score wrong? I hate to say this because we used to do this on the Straight Out of Vegas show. On, uh, you know, uh oh, yeah, Uh-oh. a couple years let ago. Let me guess. Uh, well, let me see turnovers, several of them, whether it be pick sixes, Alabama fake field goals getting stopped, Alabama getting stopped on, but is it, hold goal. on a second. What, what's one of our basic premises? Alabama gets margin oftentimes because they're so athletic. The guys who are on special teams could be the star player for the other team that they do get those kind of plays they stop the fake field goal is Clemson maybe in that league now that category that that rarefied air that they're going to be getting those plays that's a great point right and they've had they have gotten a couple of those plays against Alabama in the last three four years the biggest stat for me was Clemson had 300 total yards on third down in the game Average length of distance on third down was almost third and 10 for Clemson. To me, statistically, I would say that's almost statistically impossible for Clemson to duplicate that. Unless you have a world-class quarterback. (laughs) And that's the question, right? How good is that quarterback? Because Colin Cowherd said, and I can't remember who he put in this category. I think it was literally John Elway, Andrew Luck. Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence were the three like, oh, if you see them throw five balls live, you know this is unlike any quarterback you've ever seen. I can't disagree with him. 
Okay, so... You know what's unreal, RJ? Last year, before Clemson and Lawrence really came on the scene, when I saw him play and I was watching the guy be groomed, and I'm like, after I saw him play, I said, you know what? If this guy just doesn't lose games, they're going to have a chance to compete with Alabama. They're going to be in the ball game. And then he got hurt in the one game after Bryant, the starting quarterback, ends up transferring. And somehow... Clemson gets better and better after Lawrence comes back from the one-game injury that he misses. And uh, here I am. I get to that championship game, and everything I said turned out to be right. And what do I do? I go and I bet Alabama. I, I, I went totally against what I said at the beginning of the year. But did your opinion of Lawrence change throughout the year to the point where it wasn't a question of, is he going to lose the game, but rather this is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Definitely one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And I thought the injury, because of the hard hit that he took on that sideline and the game that he missed, I thought maybe that could come back to haunt him, especially against a defense like Alabama, but it did not. It did change for me. My biggest hang-up was it had nothing to do uh, as far as mechanically for him. The arm looked there. I was concerned, can he hold up for a full season of college football? Not being injured. Not being injured. He, I mean, he's 6'5", like 185, 190 when I watched the spring game last year. That was my biggest concern. Obviously, he aced that test and, and did put on. He looked like a different player at the end of last year physically with his arms and stuff than what he was when I watched him in the spring six, seven months prior. But he did get rocked to miss that game. I mean, he took out. He was exposed. Sideline, boom, he took a shot, Brad. Okay, now. You watched this year's spring game, right? Yep. How physically? How do he look? Oh, like he put on an extra five, seven pounds. I mean, of muscle. Yes, of muscle. We're not talking about when Fezzik goes to Hawaii. No. By the way, (laughs) undisclosed location, Fezzik, but it's somewhere in Hawaii. Because we were asking him, he said in the United States. And he said, not the contiguous United States. (laughs) So to me, you know, knowing that Fezzik would never go to uh, Alaska because they don't have the proper accommodations for him. I mean, let's be honest, he has a mansion in the yacht. I'm figuring Hawaii, either way, I'm figuring he's doing a lot of eating. That's a bang bang. That's where we go have a whole meal at one place and then go right to another place and have another one. Bang bang. Good muscle, but something just struck me. And again, I'm not a college football guy. That's why I've got you two and two. Yeah, but you see stuff from a different view, and, and, and that's why and I love in a way, doing that. I appreciate that. And, and in a way, that's an advantage. Yep. It's a disadvantage, too, obviously. That's why collective IQ. I think maybe fade Clemson when they're a big, big favorite. Just gen- like say, I'm just going to bet against them every time they're getting 20 or given 24 or more. And here's why are you laughing? Because that's basically their whole season, RJ. Okay. Yeah. But here's why. Obviously, five, seven pounds or not, him getting injured is the catastrophe. Lawrence. Yep. And what happens is maybe it's third and eight early in a game, which they figure this is a game we're going to win easily anyway. It's a draw instead of letting the other team pin their ears back. And then come the second half, who's to say how quickly they're going to go to the second guy? Yeah, and Chase Bryce is a solid quarterback, 
But I mean, you look at the but talent. He, if he's not, if if there's a huge talent difference, you better get him. There reps. is a huge talent. You difference. better get him reps. Then this is a guy that's a three star guy. The other backups that should be the backups right now in the depth chart for Clemson. Okay, Kelly Bryant, he's now the starting quarterback in Missouri. Hunter Johnson, now the starting quarterback at Northwestern. So, again, RJ, you thinking that through, you're exactly right. Unfortunately, we're going to see that. It won't be one of those. Well, I guess you could bet the the games of the year, but my gut feeling is we're going to see quickly that Lawrence is going to not be playing, taking as many chances. They're going to minimize his chances, it seems, to get hit which means they won't get as much margin as they would otherwise, Yep. right? Where Tua, for example, last year, though he didn't play a ton in the second half and all that, he, they certainly were throwing the, throwing the ball around. Oh, much more than what they had in any prior years under Saban. So let's transition. Tua was, what, 90% to win the Heisman, like November, like Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> Close. Minus 1,000. He was. Yeah, yeah. And right around, yeah, mid-November to late November. A couple weeks left in the So I was season. exactly right. You're exactly right. <laughs> You're like Fezzik. Yeah, I said was. 90%. And, it, I, and it's oh, like, man. no, 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 88%. Yeah. You're exactly right. <laughs> Damn it. All right, so now, <laughs> hey, someone had to do it. Yeah. Fez isn't here. He'll be back <laughs> next week. Is, to me, how much have we downgraded Tua at all? Meaning we saw him lose the championship game was it was it him was it something you could say everyone has a bad game or was it something where I was worried about this we didn't see it till Clemson and then we saw it and he did not pass the test it complicated question RJ because I don't I'm not sure Tua was 100% he had the uh, ankle injury had to have ankle surgery this is at the at the you know in between the playoffs and the end of the SEC championship game, so that might have played a little part of it. But here's my concern, and this is even going back to when he was healthy against the top three defenses he faced: Tua Tagovailoa. We're talking about four touchdowns, five interceptions against everybody else in the country that he played, zero interceptions, and he had like 35 touchdowns. So. I'm a little bit concerned when he's playing. The, the competition steps up. So who were those teams? They were LSU, Georgia, and Clemson. So, see, to me, that's a, a – because what you always hear about is throwing windows. Where in college, it's hard to tell how good a quarterback is because if, you, if you're on a really good team, you got these gigantic throwing windows. Against the Georgias of the world, the Clemsons, you're not going to have that. And you're saying he was – effectively a below-average quarterback in those games. Yep. What do you think, Ken? I agree. And, and those three defenses, I mean, LSU is always going to bring defense. Alabama found a way to pull away in that game. But the Clemson defense was different, and the team is different this year. They lost a lot on the defense. Both offenses, Bama and Clemson, coming back this year, that's their strengths because they're both bringing back a ton of starters and skill position players. I mean, Etienne's coming back. You're starting running back for Clemson. Two of the best receivers in the country for Lawrence to get the ball to. And then Alabama, collectively, I think probably the best receiving core in the country. Here's what I saw in film, and look, but, I'm not. But, but let me ask a question, open question. I have a good memory when it comes to general topics. And Brad, you are unbelievable, and Ken too, unbelievable when it comes to like recalling some score from three years ago. I'm more of a framework guy, and what I remember is there was no discussion that Tua coming into the Clemson game, which we analyzed for weeks, that you know something. Because two of those three games, 
came before the championship game, right? With yep. Clemson being the third. Saying in these two games against the two best defenses, he struggled. Why did we miss that? Because I think we shouldn't have. But what we did see in the playoff game against the bad defense, Oklahoma, Tua looked fine. He looked healthy. 24 out of 28 through four touchdown passes. Looked like he was most of the season, RJ. So that's why we skipped over it. Yeah, and I, guess, I guess effectively we weren't previewing Clemson, Alabama for a month. As yep. you said, there was that first round playoff, though. At the time, that was the expected final, right? Oh, no, both teams are double-digit favorites. Yeah, yeah. So, Ken, did we just miss it? I think we did. I think we did. And uh, and even if we said it, we would have said, well, two games isn't enough. But, boy, if you only play two tough Ds and he struggles against both, maybe a, an issue. So why do – here's the question for the, the – not the old fogies. We'll say those may be set in their ways. If Lawrence is so much better – and two is a big question mark now against real elite defenses. How in the heck is Alabama favored, Brad? All the other positions. Okay. And now make that case, though. Is this just a recruiting ranking? Is this returning no, starters? No. Well, I mean, it's a little bit of that. But to me, Clemson had, you talk about possibly Trevor Lawrence being a generational talent at quarterback. I agree. But Clemson just lost generational talent on the defensive line. Agreed. Maybe the best defensive line, at least the most talented defensive line in the history of college football. Three players from that defensive line went in the first 15 picks of the draft, and the other one got drafted, what, third round or something. So to me, that would be obviously a major downgrade for Clemson this year. Now, if it weren't for historically good, I'm thinking Clemson, if you look at their recruiting rankings, it's scary how well they played with out great recruits in theory. So, Brad, you've done analysis with Sweeney, whereas here was the average recruiting ranking for his classes. Now, when you were doing this, were you weighting the senior class a little bit more? Or was... No, just doing an average. Okay. Should have, though. But 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 no. this is good generally. Give me, like, a, two years ago, what was the Clemson average for the four years of player? So that would have been some, the seniors recruited six years from today, so way back. And then now, obviously, there's a four-year window. Give me the rankings. Yeah, the, the rankings from two years ago, Clemson was like 16th. Average recruiting class for Clemson was 16th two years ago. And that was for the four classes that were yep. made up that team. Now, it's gotten a little bit better, but it's still, it's not top five. Clemson's only signed, I think, in the last five years, like one top five class. Right now, it's the average recruiting class rank, 9-10 is what it is. Okay, but here's the thing. You can only improve one year at a time. Like, yep. so... If you do, you know, it's like having three losing days in poker. You win the fourth day, odds are it's going to be hard to make up so much ground you win as much as yeah. you lost in the three. So how was, because I'm just thinking for the future, how was this year's class? Believe it or not, like not even in the top five. It was like eighth. Okay. Now here's the question. Whenever your measurements tenth contradict the results, you got to start wondering about your measurements. Meaning, let's say I've got a trend about 300 rushing yards and plus 10 or more, blah, blah, blah. If it goes 4 and 16, at some point you got to say, hey, what's changed? Though that is what makes handicapping so hard is you don't know if it's variance or if there's a fundamental change. That's the challenge always. But I, just because of a few friends that, you know, I reference occasionally in college football, 
I understand that the rivals, the you know whatever it is that we're using. What do you trust the most with the recruiting rate? Two four seven because they take an average of all of the recruiting services, including their own, and then they come up with a, what they call a composite. Okay, so what I know is this: there's been times, and and I if I say this wrong, correct me. Where let's say years ago Texas, they were recruiting only the elite guys. You know they were riding high under Mac Brown. And there'd be a situation where a kid was had a decent rating. Texas would offer him, and all of a sudden, rivals would move him up to. That absolutely happened. All right, so even to this day. So really, what we're saying is, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. If Alabama takes you, you're a great recruit. So how couldn't they have a great recruiting class? Fair enough. So what I'm saying, yeah. but I, I'm not. What I'm saying is, how can we take these ratings seriously at all then? And, and why isn't Clemson at that point yet? There's been massive studies, like percent of five stars that go to the first round of the NFL draft and compared to four stars, three stars, and it holds out. It holds water. Okay. But here's the thing. If you're changing, because then really it's Nick Saban that's doing your ratings. Correct. Okay. Fair enough. That I, is a, I've never heard anyone say this, but you're right. I mean, if effectively yeah. you're saying based on who you pick, it's, I mean, what would be a good analogy is let's say we were had uh, uh, one of my buddies that works with pregame, Tom. Tom's dad knows he's a racing car guy. Like his whole life, he's built engines. If we go to some lot and there's a thousand or let's say a hundred cars, I say, Gib, which car do you want? If Gib walks and picks a car and says, oh, based on the price, I want this one, guess which one I want, right? And if I was doing some rating service, I would let Gib and five other Gibbs, you know, hopefully if you had them, choose who's good and who's not. And it's not even who Alabama signs. It's who are they recruiting, meaning if they get beat out for someone by Ohio State or Oklahoma, then you know, wow, it's it's more than one weekend host Bernie Fratto. By the way, straight out of Vegas on the weekends, 11 Pacific on Saturday night, 11 to midnight. Aren't you threatening to do a segment or a show with him soon? Yeah. When is that? Uh, soon. Yeah. I already did one. I think I'm doing another one in a couple of weeks. All right. So what? to some degree, I guess, how isn't Clemson in that list anymore? Meaning the very fact that Clemson recruited him and signed him means... Hey, that guy's great. I'm not. I don't have an, uh, you know, an answer to that, RJ. And, and I don't see it as much because Clemson still, compared to the other programs, and I'm comparing them to Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, they sign much, many more three star guys than any of those schools do. And I think here's a, here's a, and it's kind of weird, but I, I look at this a little differently than a a lot of the uh, scouts. When you look at Bama and all these five star players, and then they're two, three deep five star players that are patient enough to wait their chance, thinking if they get in there, they went to Bama, they're going to go to the NFL. When you see some of these guys, RJ, when the draft comes around, how do you determine, okay, that guy, I know he's a five-star. I know he came out of, out of Alabama. How good a pro is he going to be? And so when you listen to some of the guys that assess the talent, uh, Mayock for the Raiders, who now is their general manager, he'll talk about this to where if a guy's playing with all five-star players and he's playing against all three and four-star players in the SEC. So Bama's all five stars. How good 
is that five-star player going to be when he's not paired up with all five-star players? Because now he's going to go to the NFL. He may be on Buffalo, and all of a sudden these five-star players that he played with at college, he doesn't have that same nucleus there, doesn't have that same amount of uh, Well, they don't talent. have a talent edge over right. the other team. And, and so that's it. it. It's tough for the general manager sometimes to assess a guy just because he's coming out of Alabama that this guy – so you'll look at a Trent Richardson. You can go back. There's many guys that come out of these schools that you think, oh, he's Bama, he's Clemson, he's a you know. Def-. There's a reason that Mullen, the Raiders took him in the second round, but they took Abram over him, Mississippi State secondary guy in the first round. Why? Good point. Can I get back to the question? I think maybe we're starting to see it, RJ, because for the first time in this uh, Dabo Sweeney era, Clemson for next year, the upcoming recruiting class that's going to sign this December, number one recruiting class so and they've never been really top five now they're number one and not only number one but by most analysts right now the best recruiting class in the history of college football and the quarterback's coming from st john bosco i got to see him last year and i'll get to see him again august 24th in southern california in bellflower kids outstanding dj Yuana Lele, or is, uh, you know, Uh-oh. another I'm going to be saying yeah. DJ. I know that. Yeah, exactly. Right, here's, exactly. The, here's the best bet of the podcast. <laughs> it's two and DJ. Oh, yeah. man, he's fun, though. But it's, but it's also Trevor good. Lawrence. See, I, yeah. no problem. That's why you like right it. Right off that, the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how I make a lot yeah. of my picks is can I pronounce the names? <laughs> um, <laughs> Matt Chapman. Yeah, there you go. Now, <laughs> let's wrap this. I think the idea that these recruit let, let's be honest, what's the the guy at Rivals, the guy at twenty four seven that's making these assessments, how much is he getting paid? Thirty, forty thousand a year. I mean, I think some of their two level down guys are. Maybe the you Yeah, know, the upper the at, main guys, mm-hmm. maybe a hundred thousand. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. The question is if any of them were better than any of the coaches at assessing talent, they'd hire them away for four. I mean, like literally on Alabama, I mean, this is mind blowing because it's changed so much. Again, back to some buddies I have in the game. I remember the D backs coach at Houston uh, in like 2002, 2003. So it's been a little while. 70 K. Like literally is full time D backs coach. And again, Houston, obviously a level. Or two down. Now, I mean, obviously you got coordinators getting paid millions in certain spots, but I'm saying more specifically, if you look at an elite program like Bama, how much is the last true position coach? Whatever it is, tight ends coach, whatever, they're getting what? Several, Almost three hundred? Yeah, yeah two fifty. Several hundred thousand. Yeah, two fifty. So so think about it. Is wouldn't they want to pay anyone at any of these recruiting classes or uh services that knows more than them? They could double, triple their salary in a blink of an eye. It's a good call. And they don't even need to be on a coaching staff. There's the NCAA rules that Nick Saban's taking advantage of. You can have these special assistants. That's why you see like Butch quality Jones. Quality control. Quality control. Butch Jones is somehow coming over from Tennessee and that. Steve Sarkeesian, what was that? For, for- Isn't it ironic, though, that he mentioned Houston because now – Tillman Fertitta being the biggest booster and, of course, owner of the Golden Nugget, where I do my show on Friday nights. Got to get that in there. But also also the owner of all the Landry's restaurants, but he is the biggest booster. He brings Dana Holgerson from West Virginia, a Power 5 conference, to a non-Power 5 conference, the AAC, to take that job. And so the assistants are being well paid. They're trying, of course, to get set and groomed for the Big 12. I think your point's valid, though. I mean, if these guys are so good at what they do, they wouldn't be at their job. And to me... 
it's the same thing with the NFL draft, the NBA yep. draft, and now we're seeing with Maylock, Maylock, Mayock, 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 Mike Mayock. I like locks in general, yeah, so <laughs> Mayock is that here's a guy who had, if I'm not mistaken, he had been in the league, right? Or, or was he always no, a media no, guy? No, he was a media guy. Only, in fact, the last 10 player years, media. He's, I think he's one of the best assessors of college talent uh, You know, coming into the draft. And you, you got your Kuypers and your McShays. But Mayock, to me, and in fact, I talked to Dan Shanka. You talk about our lads uh, where we get a lot of our – uh, lineups that come in, and, and Dan Shanka stays on top of that stuff. He actually had Cleland Farrell uh, picked fourth by the Raiders, the number four pick overall. But he had that pick as because most Raider fans, when I was at the draft party at Dre's, they were like in shock because Josh Allen was still left out of Kentucky, and the Raiders took Farrell, and a lot of people thought that he would still be left when they were going to get their second pick but, but, in the first round. But I, but I think the key point to wrap up this topic is that typically it, it's rare – for a guy in the media to then become GM, right? Yeah, I, I, and that, it's always reversed. Comes exactly, from GM to media. It's, it's when you wash out, yes. and it's really what I've had an experience with when I was hiring years ago for pregame. Is I, there was a guy I remember specifically from Lockheed Martin that wanted to do computer programming, and I'm thinking, wow, Lockheed does it. They they put spaceships on up on the moon. He's gonna have no problem with this stuff. Well. Usually the guys at Lockheed Martin or the like that want to work for a startup in Vegas gambling related. Now, if they have gambling in their blood, okay, maybe. But otherwise, that means they washed out at Lockheed Martin. I didn't understand that. I do now to some degree when you see that. Unless, again, the Lou Holtzes of the world, there are times people retire and they were elite and they become elite. Like Hubie Brown, obviously. Yep knows basketball, right? But typically it's because they wash out that they do take that job. So I would say, to me, it's all with a grain of salt. How do we get at shifting gears, Alabama, Clemson? So obviously if you like one over the other, it's easy, is they have the projected uh, title matchup is up. Yep. And also you could have the, the groupings again, of teams that have Alabama on one side, Clemson the other. Let's talk about these odds. Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Michigan. So this is interesting. So it's Ohio State versus Michigan, effectively, right? Oklahoma versus Georgia, Alabama versus Clemson. And right now, if you want Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, plus 150, if any of them win the title, Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, plus 130. So, wowza. And then any other team, three to one. Boy, what's the VIG on that? I'm going to have to take a gander, get my spreadsheet out. Okay. Now, that's interesting. I wonder if they'd give me minus 380 on neither Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, or Michigan winning it. Because <laughs> in theory, if they're yeah. giving you plus 300, right? Yeah. Minus 380. Hmm. There you go. Now, who could win? First, let's start there. Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State on one side. Clemson, Georgia, Michigan on the other. Who's the seventh team if you were free rolling? Thousand bucks, Brad. If you picked a seventh team that wins it, who would it be? Uh, LSU would be my team because I have number four in my power ratings. What about you, Ken? Now, by the way, we'll talk about this game now. Alabama, LSU. <laughs> yeah, What's Al- the line? Alabama's at home, but Alabama's a 16.5-point favorite. And LSU is ranked... 
number four in my power ratings. Oofa. <laughs> Oofa. I, I got a team that's going to, it's far out there. I don't know where Brad, Brad probably doesn't even have him in his top 10, but a team that if they win the opener on a neutral and a few weeks later win on the road, that they can be in the playoff out of the Pac-12, believe it or not, and that's Oregon. I got him number 13. Okay. that's it. And again, that is, if you do have long, long shots, there's two ways to handicap college football season when it comes to title odds. One is, hey, who's the champ? But two is, if you get the right payoff, the assumption is, do they have a path to the playoff itself? Because it doesn't matter really effectively if you're getting, let's say, what's Oregon's future odds? Like 25 to 1, 30 oh, that- to 1. Yeah, that might not, not enough. be enough. But, you know, you got a 50-60 to 1 that you could see them, you know, if they win this one game and you think they have an edge in that game, not an edge where they're favored, but maybe it's tighter than you think. Effectively, if, you know, you might get an 80-1, to 1, they win that one game, yep. you know. So, I mean, we've seen, let's be candid, the fact we have double-digit underdogs in the uh, – playoffs most every year at least one in the semis yep. is a sign people are sneaking in these teams oh yeah i mean there's been a ton of teams that have been like eight like michigan state that one year against alabama preseason michigan state was like a, a 50 to 1 type of shot last thing rj on the win totals though alabama there is margin for error if you bet bama over because their win totals at 11 where clemson's 11 and a half you cannot lose a game so really right now, the, this is interesting. The Clemson win total in 12 games, because they don't count conference championships, yep. don't count the bowls, is 11.5. What's the, the VIG? Uh, not, not shaded on either way. Pretty much 110 on both sides. All right, so what we're saying here is, and these are the kind of like say it strong from the sternum type things because they're so fascinating, is the Vegas market is saying that there's about a 50% chance Clemson goes undefeated in the regular season. 50% chance they don't. Yep. What would Fair you, line. <laughs> what would you bet there? Oh, my goodness. We were talking about this under. earlier. I'd bet the under. I would, too. I, I have one of, the, one of my biggest upsets on that little sheet of orange paper that I think can come not only to cover the spread, but I think the team can come up and uh, be Clemson. Well, let's talk about this one now. Now, remember, guys, if you're new, and we're getting new listeners all the time, thank you for spreading the word. And that's the way, quite frankly, you can help us. I get it. You're sitting here, you're listening, you're learning, you're laughing. I mean, and if you have a, if you have high character, and some do and some don't, you're thinking, man, I'm taking and I'm taking and I'm taking. When's it time to give, give back? Then part of you might say, but RJ, he's got everything he needs. What, What can I give him? Well, first of all, I don't. But you don't have to give me anything except, except spread the word, right? Pay it forward. If you love the dream preview, the way we grow is by you telling your buddies. And here's the thing. If you've listened through some of my crazy rants, some of my extended rants on the pod, Ken's like, first time I see he's nodding, he's almost going to hurt his neck. Is <laughs> That means you're a fan. Deep down. So by passing it on, not only might you provide value, but you're genuinely given something you care about, you value. So please do. And the fact that we're growing every year, the jumps are crazy. And football is coming up. Now's the time. 
this is the a great pod to say, hey, you know that R.J. Bell sh- dream preview show I was telling you about? They just did their early college football. And, yes, there's a new Hulk Hogan drop about the pythons for Ken. <laughs> Now's the time. Spread the word about this show. But if you are new, you know this sound. That means there's a bet because we keep it simple. If you say it, you better be ready to bet it. And, Ken, I'm thinking about betting you here. He's got four teams all playing on September 14th. Syracuse against Clemson. Line is Syracuse 18 and a half. Right. And Syracuse, all those teams are the home teams. All the all the. All right. Uh, so there's four underdogs. home dogs. Right. None of them are more than a 12 point or they're 12 point dogs or more. Right. That's the smallest. And you think one of them is going to win outright. I so do. Syracuse. Would win over Clemson, possibly. In Indiana over Ohio State. South Carolina over Alabama. UCLA over Oklahoma. Now, those odds, Syracuse 18.5 point dog. Indiana 14. South Carolina 20. UCLA 12. Now, here's what's fascinating. If you do the math, and this was back of the napkin stuff, the odds of all of the favorites winning is about 51%. Now, listen, we're no VIG here. <laughs> so, Ken, our, our standard college bet's 200. Right. Tipping money for Brad, but, you know, you and I care about right. it. And, <laughs> I mean, come on. How, what, what did you – I don't think you've had a chance to talk about it. You had the, uh, the, the Gold Nugget had their, yep. their picking deal. So how much was it to enter? 1000 Yep. And how many people competed? 308. And how, and what place did you get? Fourth. Fourth place. And how much did you win? Uh, 21,000. 21,000. And how many lunches or dinners did you treat for me who took plucked you from obscurity? Zero. Welcome to Mirage, Mr. Papa Giorgio. You got to wonder about that one. I think, yeah. I think there's a big dinner coming up here before the season starts. All right. So here, Here's the thing, though, RJ. <laughs> I got to get this in. Because down the stretch, the people that were ahead of him were right in the mix there. They're listening to Straight Out of Vegas, baby. They're listening to Thompson show when he has powers on. And if Brad, well, I wouldn't be head, so sure about that. Yeah, well, exactly. There's a good two, <laughs> two or three, two or three I people mean, made. <laughs> they might though, because no. it's right around the deadline. And I'm at the Nugget. Now, listen. There's no. By the way, and there's well. Hold on. Let me say ahead. this. All right. Here's what I know about Ken Thompson. If you love a rundown show, now I can't lie, Ken. We make fun of rundown shows, sure. not yours. Right. The famous next up Townsend State, you know. That if, if there was any if you want to see the best in breed, right? That's what Jim Kramer talks about. Like the best in breed of a pharmaceutical company. Whatever. The best in breed of a rundown show, to me, unequivocally, is Ken Thompson's show. Now, do you still have Chuck on? Uh he'll come on Occasionally. once in a while. He's, but he brings in the experts. In which, you know, literally, it's like okay, let's talk the big UCLA game on, you know, on the horn. The announcer for radio for UCLA. I mean, and then twenty minutes later, he's got some other guy. So he's got all the experts. He's built his network. So I'm not a rundown show guy, but I think it's the best there is. So if you like that stuff, Ken's is certainly worth a listen. 
but you were making a point about Brad and 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 he was in like third or fourth and what he did. Well, I, I know that some of those plays canceled out. Some of these uh, people thought, yeah, down the stretch and may have. Brad, stopped you Brad saw us what we were do, what we were doing with the super contest. Yeah, I tried to swerve people. Well, a then bit, I guess it didn't happen. Well, so you tried. Don't act like yeah. you were you were being all altruistic. Like you know, I had a choice. Could yeah. I? How much was first place? Uh, a little over a hundred thousand. So the way you were presenting it, let's be candid, was, <laughs> guys, I got to tell you, I'm not blaming you or anything, but I had a choice. I could give a full effort at the hundred thousand, or accept the fact that probably wasn't possible if I was going to give you all the knowledge that I've give you week in and week out. But I understand so many thousands, or the dozens with Ken show, but the thousands <laughs> on Straight Out of Vegas are saying. Brad, don't take it away from us. How could you do that? And I heard that voice, or voices in our case, and I said, no, I'm going to give it to you. Be damned if I lose 80K. Is that what you're implying? 79 That's what I'm implying. (laughs) (laughs) Except you just said you were trying to swerve. Well, I went like, I took some favorites and stuff in the bowl games, but one of the the bet that really cost me 10,000 was the Buckeye game. Oh, we don't want to hear your, your yeah. story. Oh, but that was the one that we, yeah, you and I had a bet on, right. too? Yeah, we had a big bet on it, the biggest bet we made all college football season. I'm like, this is square. On pregame, that was my bet of the year. This is square as can be. I'm going to take Ohio State, the square pick, and everyone in front of me took Ohio State, too. I'm like, how in the hell does that happen? <laughs> hey, when you get at the height, hey, you're in the heights of these contests. Yeah. I mean, next level stuff, oftentimes. Okay, so I am going to take... That Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma wins out over Syracuse, Indiana, South Carolina, UCLA. You know why? Because I'm betting 200 to win 200, and it's 51%. There you go. We're good. All right. By the way, which is just give me one of these games. Why do you think they have a better than average chance? Syracuse, first off, not intimidated. No, first off, one one game. Syracuse is not intimidated against Clemson. Beat them two years ago. Should have beat them last year in Clemson. They're not intimidated. Dino Babers, his team's coming to play. They've got a bunch of starters back on both sides of the ball, and they're at home. Yeah, it's Saturday night, ABC, first time ever for the Carrier Dome in that spot. Rapid fire. Yes, give me the name of the team. If you had to have a free roll ticket to win the title, Oklahoma, Georgia, who would you have? Georgia. Georgia. Same question, Ohio State, Michigan. 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 Okay. Love. So that's interesting because now it's Clemson, Georgia, Michigan is plus 130. Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State plus 150. Now, remember, what are power ratings? Power ratings is intrinsically how good is the team. That's different than chance to win the title because the path can be more difficult or less mm-hmm. difficult. Right now, if you could have a free roll ticket, Alabama Clemson to win the title, wh- who would you want? Hmm. You'd have what? to want Clemson. I do want Clemson. I, I want Clemson because of the schedule. I want Alabama. Really? I, so, I, so, but you've got them even. Yeah. So you think that somehow Alabama's path is easier? I just think I, I'm not sold on Clemson's defense. That's the thing. They're, they lost that whole defensive line. They're not going to get the pressure on quarter. I know they're reloading. But, but, but you're, you're, you're saying you have I them like, even. I like Venables. Look, I just think Tua has four receivers that are better than the two that Clemson has. 
I just think it's I, – I, I like Bama. If, if you ask All right, me, so, I'll take Bama. So why don't we do this? We'll have a second bat. Okay. Is South Point Satis, you take Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State. I'll take Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, and we'll bet No, on. I don't like that. I'll take Alabama, Georgia, oh, Michigan. Oh, so you want to make a <laughs> new uh, – yeah, right. Look, I'll, I'll give you Clemson. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to give you the Clemson, who you you would take if you could take one team. I'm no, sure, we've right? made a deal here. There, we don't negotiate bets. We well, either offer the – I'll give you 10 seconds to the, the, give me the no. bet. I will not do that. Okay. I would have, though. You know, so. Brad, would you take Alabama, Georgia, and Michigan against Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma? Yeah. We've got five seconds. Too close to call. <laughs> okay. Last thing. What are the odds right now, last thing on Alabama-Clemson as the focus, what are the odds of Alabama-Clemson versus the field? Alabama and Clemson are minus 180 versus the field. Bend that up. Open like minus 140. Now, if you force bat, what would you play? Alabama and Clemson. Which is a square. It's funny. It's square, but, yeah. man, I, oof. Ufa is, I mean, they were double-digit Enough favorite. with the Ufa. Yeah. I love that. You've been using that lately? I love, I love it. Boy, that, and See that how would, I steal? And that would be interesting if you had Alabama Clemson against the other four there. Well, you've got Alabama Clemson. Oh, you mean yeah. in having the field so you it gets closer to even money. Right. Yeah. Well, they're doing a three-way here. So who would you take? Alabama Clemson at minus, you know, let's call it no VIG, what, 170? Yep. Or probably with the books, 160. Uh, so I'm getting a field plus 150? Yeah. So too close a call, we'll call it. I'll take the field. Because in, injuries happen. Wow. Injuries, now, injuries happen. I'm telling you, injuries happen. Saw Tua get banged up last year. Saw Lawrence miss a game. Something happens to either one so of those Brad, guys. This is easy. Trouble. You're laying 150 here. You better press that. No, button. no, he's Back. laying 170. I'm getting plus 150. We don't. We, we're no vig. Oh, okay. So you know what we'll do? He's right. Let's make it 160. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. You laying 160? Yeah. I'll you got Bam and Clemson. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm in there. I am too. All right, that's a, that's good. I'll, I'll take because, because there's enough teams yeah. and there's enough. That's why they play the games. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. College football, man, is just the best sport in the world. Yo, homeboy, welcome to the hood, brother. Listen, you put an opinion out there. I'm telling you, we're going to gobble it yeah. up. We're going to gobble it up. I hope we don't lose Ken for December shows because he's trying to dodge pain. <laughs> oh, KT, KT, right here. Man. <laughs> All right, let's get into great. And by the way, guys, new you guys were so nuanced there. I mean, sometimes, and maybe because we're doing this show first, and that's why I like doing the Dream Preview College Edition Tuesdays. It comes out Wednesday because it's one of the first times you're talking about it. You know, Brad, you do a ton of radio. Ken does a ton. You do two hours a night, right? right. Ten hours plus hits or whatever, plus with us. Once you've talked about something three or four times, there's a tone of voice that you have. And also, everyone has it. To me, you guys were thinking as you were talking, and that's great. It's not great for radio because you need high, high energy. Great for the pod. And I, I saw you guys calculating things that you hadn't even thought of yet. Great insight. Now, we talked about it. We're going to have 10 picks, pretty much rapid fire, like a minute or so. I want about a minute. On each of these, we're going to start with Ken and Brad. You dictate the conference order. So yeah. what? What's first? We'll go alphabetical order. ACC, KT, your best bet over under season win total. 
ACC, I've got Syracuse over six and a half. I think Tommy DeVito is going to be solid. Look, I think they can beat Clemson straight up that September 14th game, but I like this team a lot. I love Dino Babers. Something about Syracuse, and when I look at their schedule, I was shocked. I thought it would be seven and a half. It was six and a half. I found eight wins there. Can't disagree. I said it's seven and a half. One of the bigger movers, one of the sports books out there made a mistake and pretty much put Syracuse's uh, win total from last year out there at five. And it was bet up significantly uh, over there on the East Coast. Uh, Don't disagree. No bet there. We might have one later in the show. I'm going to go with Virginia, and I'm going to go over seven wins. Here's a team I think is flying under the radar. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall is doing a great job there. Two wins first year, six wins second year, eight wins the next year. He's got 14 starters back this year. I think this could be his best team yet. Defensively, top Perkins 20. Perkins is awesome. Yeah. Bryce Perkins, one of the, if you want to sound smart around the water cooler this year when you're talking previewing the upcoming season, Bryce Perkins, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country, dual threat, had more than 3,500 total yards last year, 34 total touchdowns. Defensively, eight starters back from a unit that was top 20 in the country. Then I look at the schedule, only two games where they're going to be a clear underdog. At Notre Dame, at Miami, like Virginia, uh, over seven wins. Moving along, next conference here as we go rapid fire, KT. Moving along to the Big 12, your favorite season win total bet. So, real quick, jumping in, because I stepped out to get a Coke Zero. Hold on. You know what happened? Last show, I said, I was eating at the beginning. I said, I promise I won't eat. Someone on Twitter tweets me and goes, at the 33-minute mark, I heard you take three chews. It's like, you know, I got to be honest with you. Having engaged fans is the goal. Maybe too engaged. (laughs) (laughs) But I wasn't here. You had your pick. I want you guys counterpunching. So did did Ken agree with your pick or not? He did not. What's your thought? No, no, I like Virginia. I like Virginia a lot. I love Bronco Mendenhall. I like the job that he did at BYU, and he is one of those guys that does bond the players together, and I'm sold on Perkins. All right, so let's do this. When you make your pick, Brad, or vice versa, the other person can – let's have three choices. Neutral, green button it, or this is – now, I guess let's have four. Green button, neutral, lean, or I'm betting this too. Okay. So now – We'll see which ones that both are batting, and we'll make we'll have our double best bats. So any of the any of the two so far is the other person batting it. No, the, the ACC we we're both uh, we're both good. I, I don't want to pay a fifty dollar fine for Syracuse. So okay, so it, so but here's the question: yeah. Would you bet it at the current? I number? still would bet it at the current. All right, number. so I that's like a double that bet. So yep. let's write that down separately. You track this, yeah, and you coordinate with Sleepy, and we'll make sure it gets in the system that we're tracking. All right, so one double best bat, and you were leaning with Ken. Or he was leaning with you, I'm He's sorry. leaning with me. Yes. All right, continue. Big 12, KT, your favorite season win total. I'm going out on the limb. Puka Williams got reinstated. He'll miss the first game against Indiana State. But I'm going to go with Kansas over three. Ooh. All right, we got a bet. Less miles. And what's the number? right? I mean, what's the VIG right now? Sleepy, can you look that up? All right, he's looking it up. So okay. you guys continue and All right. Yeah, I'll th- in the disagreement for me, I mean, Les Miles couldn't figure it out when he had the talent advantage at LSU over other teams. Now he's at a massive talent disadvantage at Kansas, only favored in two games. I don't they're double digit underdog in every single Big Twelve game, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll bet you I, on that. Against one, Kansas State at home, you think they're a double digit underdog? Yeah, they're they're at least getting a touchdown. So what's the closest game? 
for Kansas other than the two they're favored in? Uh, kind of a toss-up, but probably West Virginia, six or seven-point home dog in that one. You're saying the third most likely win for Kansas, they're almost a touchdown underdog. Yeah, my pure powering. So then how it. in the heck is the number three? Because now they got to win four. I'm sure the less hold miles on, hold on. has to come into play there I, a little bit. Hold on. Go ahead. You better click the button. I might, too. It yeah, just doesn't make any you sense. Might as well. When things don't make sense, I slow down. I don't speed up. That's a lesson for the kids. Yeah, and it opened three and a half. Where, where the hell was I? <laughs> RJ, there's the schedule. Just so you. Just I mean, so you, what the hell do I know? Like, I'm going to look at yeah. this and say, <laughs> I mean, Indiana State, so they're going to be a big favorite there. Right? No, they're not. Indiana State's a good FCS team. FCS team and Puka Williams won't be The best player for Kansas is out, suspended for that game. So what do you think the line is? Or I think can- Kansas is only going to be maybe a touchdown to All right. seven to ten point favorite. And then Coast- Coastal Carolina. They'll be about a ten point favorite there. And then you're saying the next closest game. Be West Virginia at home. And what's the next closest after that? Kansas, Kansas State. State. About the same line. So they'd have to win two as touchdown underdogs, and both times they're favored yep. to go over. Well, I, I have to win at least one of those to push. Oh, yeah, but, but, but it you're seems like you're going to of push. Of course. No, no, no. I'm, say, I'm saying I would have to, That's though. the I'm kind just, of asymmetric. No, no. I, I'm, Sleepy, do we have the number? No. How long is it going to take you to find it? It's going to be a surprise team. This is one of my surprise teams. What exactly are you trying to find again? <laughs> Kansas season went total. This was just a couple days ago. I had uh, the under minus one forty four three. All right. So once there, I hear so the number, I'm, I'm actually for the first time in, a, in maybe ever. I feel bad for Ken here. Don't feel bad. I, for No, me. I just want to make sure that the numbers are right. You might. You should be getting about plus one fifty as far as I can. Plus one twenty. I think it is. Okay, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, let's Sleepy get it. You know, you, I think he knows now the team we're talking about. All right, let's continue. I may still bet that. All right, uh, for me in the Big 12, I'm going Texas under nine and a half. And we talk my power ratings, which are available right now uh, at free in the pregame.com forums. One of the biggest disparities between my power ratings and what the market is, is Texas. Right now, Texas is being treated as a clear top 10 team, like the seventh or eighth best team in the country. In my preseason power ratings, I have Texas number 19. That's good. And here's where I think the overreaction is with Texas. Everyone remembers what they just saw last. What would they just see last? Texas beating an SEC school like Georgia, a Georgia team that in their previous game almost beat Alabama. So good for, for Texas in that one. And what, what does Texas have coming back? Ooh, they're starting quarterback. We love Sam Ellinger. The problem is no one else is back. Texas has. We well, have Colin re- Johnson and Duvernay, two decent receivers. Decent receivers, but eight returning starters, KT. That ranks dead last in the entire country out of 130 teams. And then you look at it schedule-wise. Texas already a home underdog against LSU, dog against Oklahoma. And, yeah, Texas is better than TCU, Baylor, and Iowa State, but not that much better. And all three of those games are on the road. They'll have to sweep all three of those games to go over the season win total. Here's a Texas team last year, KT, won nine games in the regular season, phony. Six of those were by a touchdown or less. Usually that doesn't replicate itself the next season. Under nine and a half, Texas. If you're going to go over nine and a half, if you bet Texas and you're going to go over nine and a half, you have to beat LSU week two in Austin. And right now, Texas is about a field goal underdog in that one. So not unlikely, but right now. I lean with Brad on that, RJ. Okay. 
there's an approach to win totals, which is fra- fractional wins of all of the games summed. Explain that, Brad. So uh, for you're talking about every ten cents is worth about a, a point of a win. So fit if no, you're no, no, minus. No. no. So what I'm saying is. Oh, okay. I know what you're saying. So if you have a nine, say you're a seventeen point favorite in a game. Well, technically speaking, you have a 90% chance to win that game. So instead of saying, hey, you get the full win for that one, you're only getting 0.9 of a win. So here's where people get confused. And let's just use like Alabama example. Even if Alabama is a 17-point favorite in every game, I think Joe Schmo would say, oh, their season win total should be 12. They're a 17-point favorite in every game. Mathematically speaking, Alabama's season win total will be closer to 11. I mean, if I want to get decimal points, it would actually be 10.8. So that's what it is. You have to, you have a certain percentage. Because effectively, a spread equals a money line, a no-vig line. And effectively, that no-vig line is telling you the chance to win the game. Exactly. You add up all the chances, you're going to... Now, I think Fezzik explained to me, and we'll ask him next week, there is, there's a small bias in this approach, that, and, and I'm not sure which way it is, where you've got to adjust a little one way or the other because this approach is, is good but not perfect. We'll ask him. It's a little low from what I've seen Okay, doing that. All right, so here's the question. So, you, so you're saying in general... You'd adjust up a little bit. Up, I, I'm normally adjusting up more than down, no question. And remember, you got to get that no vig line, and sometimes that's a challenge yep. when you have like a minus 1,400 or whatever is what should the no vig line be because some theorize that all – I tend to believe the vig is, or at least for simplicity's sake, is going to be split amongst the dog and the favorite. A lot of people say with a big favorite, they give all the vig to the favorite and have it inflated a little bit and no vig to the dog. So – but that's decimal points there yep. that we're worried about. My question is this. To some degree, you're just rattling off these games, and I think it'd be boring, and we would make fun, or I would make fun of you if you yeah. said, well, the fractional win, say, 7.8, win total 8, but it's under 115. I, I got it at 9.5 uh, someplace you've never heard of in China. Uh, but <laughs> I'd lean towards yeah. the under now. It's like, come on. Yeah. Right? How many of those are we going to listen to? It's in, if it's better presented in a spreadsheet, put it in a freaking spreadsheet. Free advice for those trying to compete is <laughs> I think you guys got to help me understand. Like I'll be the stand-in for the audience here because I'm not a college football guy. I heard you rattling stuff off. Let's talk about it. How many get, no, do, do all teams play the same amount of games now? Yeah, 128 teams play 12 games. There's two teams that play 13. Now, this, I love that you just pulled that out. What are the two? Uh, Hawaii and Navy. Actually, Army, there's 127. Oh, I almost gave you in dreams. Well, I I guess you still got it. So, obviously, those exceptions matter when you're looking at the cast. Yes. I'm, bet, I'm betting a lot of people. So, do they play, do, do all six teams, is it six teams then, right? Or is it three teams? Three teams. Okay. Well, that's, because back in the day, it was like they had the early game and that team always yep. had an extra game. Now, it's like they just got, there's three teams that have a unique situation. Yes. What are those, do they play one more or one less? They play one more. Okay. So I'm guessing <laughs> that a lot of underbatters are betting those saying, oh, my gosh, how could they? Because they look at the – because you're going to yeah. look and compare, let's say, nine and a half to – they're not near as good as them, is yep. what, right? It certainly happens. You know, when there's neutral games, 
and, and on the schedule that aren't obviously neutral is oftentimes the bookies will tell you day and night they get that bottom team bet like crazy because yep. people think it's the home team. Wouldn't this happen a bunch? It too? does happen. We've seen it happen. One of the biggest movers is Army. They hung like a season win total eight and a half or nine. Okay, if they're playing a 12 game schedule, sounds about right. That 13th game schedule, Army season win total probably is closer to 10. And that's where the market's driven it up. I think they made a mistake. So give us the three teams real quick and in the situation, just so the mistake isn't made Army, Navy, Hawaii. All play one additional game. All play 13 games in the regular season. Okay. So now that we have 12 is standard, except for those three exceptions. I want to hear what the win total is, and then I want to hear, again, we can't say that's a sure loss or a sure win, but what are, what's the game or two that's going to swing it? So let's go back to Texas. So what's their win total? Season win total is nine and a half. All right, so that means the question is, are they going to lose three games or not? Yep. All right, what are, what are their three losses? What is that deciding game? Okay, I think LSU is a loss. I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma is a loss. I agree. And I think there's actually three games where Texas is going to be about a slight favorite. And you can bet most of these games right now where Texas is about a field goal favorite at TCU, at Iowa State, at Baylor. Texas is about a field goal favorite in those three games. I think they drop one of those. I think they could drop two of those. So wait a minute. So you're so the two that you're calling losses, what's the line? Uh, Oklahoma's about a four-and-a-half-point underdog role Okay, so so wait. You're saying there's three that are three, <laughs> and one's four-and-a-half. So th- there's, a, there's probably— uh, Go ahead. What's the other one? Texas uh, against LSU, and about a three-point home underdog. So <laughs> Okay, so hold on. So there's five games that they're an underdog of, of about a field goal. No. Three games where they're about a field goal favorite, two that they're— about oh. a field goal underdog. Okay. Oh, so the other three, they're favorite. Right. Yep. So the three that they're a field goal favorite, and the theory is you win two of the three. Yep. And then they should win one of the three. Yep. And that means that they have, let me think about this, two, three losses. So it goes under. Right? Yep. Wow. See, isn't this a lot more interesting? Yes. You know, I mean, hmm. Thanks for enlightening me on this particular subject, RJ. Let's do it from here like that. All right. I like the under two. What's the okay. what's the how has the market moved on that? It was my it was equal juice, minus one ten. It's like minus one thirty, one thirty five on the under now. Okay. And I'll be candid. A guy like you originating, you want the the virgin number, you want to beat yeah. up the bookie. Me, I don't mind seeing that 15, 20 cent move because it reaffirms to me that I'm not missing something because you can be certain you're not missing something or almost certain Yeah, because you live this. Yeah. Okay. Do you agree on this one, Ken, or just lean? No, I'm not. This is a double best bet. Yep. All right. Next one. All right. We're moving along conferences. We're going to go to the Pac-12 KT. Season win total best bet for you. I'm going to go under Stanford, under six and a half. I'm neutral on this one, uh, on Stanford. But, you know, KT, you got, do you want to admit you got a little inside info? Well, you, you know, don't have to name names. Yeah, but. no, but somebody that I talked to that's close to the Stanford program thought this could be one of their worst teams in the last decade. And that's someone that's normally pro Stanford right. because they have an association. So 
yeah, that can Some, somebody that I totally respect their opinion. I can tell you my power ratings back that up. I have Stanford like number thirty three in my power ratings. I haven't had Stanford that low since like uh, Jim Harbaugh's second season on the farm about a de- about eleven years ago. So power ratings back that up. But when you plug it in the schedule. I, you know, doing that, I don't want to go through it while my projection comes to like 6.5, but it actually does come right around 6.5. I'm neutral on this one. Okay. So do we agree Stanford has one of the best coaches in football? David Shaw's top 10. We do, but we, I, I agree that, I mean, and if you look at it, RJ, I think this is one of the toughest schedules that I've ever seen college football. Well, I mean, why I don't mean, you read I mean, off a couple? I'm talking now, non-conference. They open with Northwestern at home. At, and this is a Stanford team. They have Costello back, the quarterback. But their other two non-conference games are at Central Florida and then Notre Dame at home. So where Alabama is playing Duke, Southern Miss, and freaking Western Carolina, you got Stanford playing Northwestern, Central Florida, and Notre Dame. Here's the thing. I don't want to bet a team that is having a historically – projected to have a historically bad season. And let's not say historically, but let's say in this generation, in the last 10 years, or however you want to say it. But in the near term, because if the coach is good, the coach makes a point to not let that be a bad season. And I think we've seen that a bunch, right? Is the best coach – I mean, let's think who are – that would be an interesting study, Brad, yeah. is – Let's just use the last 10 years. Who are the best 10 coaches? Or uh, There might not be a big sample size here, but it would be interesting. But again, you've got such a great memory. When you have an Ohio State that's supposed to win seven and a half, let's say, you know, because of massive losses or whatever, and Urban Meyer's there, or, you know, think of the other examples. No, Nick Saban's never going to be in that spot, right? But... I found historically they overperform because what happens to other teams, they start losing games and it, and it feeds upon itself. That's not going to happen with a good coach. I, your instincts are, are correct. I mean, the one prime example that I can remember one year, Ohio State only had like six returning starters. Market was re- the opening markets were way low in Ohio State because they were going to have at least at that time, proceed to be a down year. Three, four losses for Ohio State. Season win total is like eight and a half. I think the fir- ga- the famous first show you did at ESPN with me when you actually picked Lamar Jackson at 100 to 1, I think that Ohio- you had over Ohio State in that same yeah, show. Yeah, eight and a half wins. Yeah. Wow, you got a good memory, man. <laughs> something, yeah. something. So, 2016. Yeah. To me, I don't, I think they, that's why like when you see like the Raven, I mean, listen, I think Harbaugh, in the NFL is a really good coach. Now, we'll be talking about Michigan later and that hardball. He smells. But the fact is, <laughs> if Baltimore's struggling, I'm always looking to play on them because I know hardball isn't going to let this team just fall off the earth. And I just don't know if you guys consider Shaw to be that good, but if so, and again, Ken's Inside Info Probably, and again, we're very careful with that phrase, but when, when you know people with – it's not inside info like so-and-so's injured. It's someone close to the program that I trust tells me X. That is inside info, but it's legitimate inside info. I'm always going to let that trump my instincts. I just don't like to bet against a really good coach having a bad season. I couldn't have said it better myself. I will say this, that David Shaw has had these type players like a McCaffrey, a Bryce Love, an Andrew Luck coming, you know, after Harbaugh left. But 
those type of dynamic players. He does not have that player this year. Here's what I have seen. Trend line for Stanford. Recruiting classes have went down. And another key coach that I think people should be looking at is the strength coach who has more time with the players than even the coordinators or the head coach does because of the offseason. They lost what many regarded was the top five strength coach in the country for the last decade. He's been there since Harbaugh was there. He left this past offseason. Something to keep in mind of. Now that would be fascinating. First of all, how are you in a position to assess the best strength coaches? Uh I just know what people exactly know, what yeah. people say. So okay. yeah, probably but top be, five or six. Not be, everyone, but yeah, it'd be interesting to to have. I think even if you had one person in each conference that you trusted to say, "Hey, who's the best couple strength coaches in this conference?" and then made a list of let's say fifteen of the best, and then look to fade a team or play on a team based upon their movements. I think you would do very, meaning season wins. I think you do very well off of that. I agree. The question is getting the list. Yeah. Right. George can help with that. I think, I think that so. might be worth. Yes. I mean, I'm serious. Now that is interesting. Okay. So Ken, you're neutral on this, Brad, or you're, or you're going neutral six and a half. Sounds about that. Sounds about right to me. Uh, moving along. And, and I'm sorry, real quick is the reason we didn't go through game by game. The one time that's going to be tough is when it's right in the middle, like five, six, seven wins. When it's higher, we can say where's the losses. When it's lower, we can say where's the wins. For me in the Pac-12, number one season win total for me, I'm going to take UCLA over five and a half wins. Second most improved team in the country for me. And if you want the complete list, again, post it for free in the pregame.com forums there. I saw this, speaking of improvement, I saw improvement from UCLA at the end of last year, specifically offensively. Struggled the first eight games of the season. Finally, that Chip Kelly offense clicked late, averaged nearly 500 yards per game in their last four games. One of the most experienced teams in the country, 19 returning stars. That's more than any other Power 5 team in the country. Schedule's difficult. Top 10 in terms of difficulty, but... I look at this UCLA team, uh, certainly a lot of winnable games. Uh, at USC's, certainly winnable where they're only a field goal underdog. UCLA is going to be favored in five or six games, and I wouldn't doubt that they pull a couple upsets. Cheap number here, UCLA over five and a half wins. Ken? Five and a half, I'll stay away. I mean, I it's right there. I, I think UCLA, you're putting a lot of trust in Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and I, I think that we got to see the kid play here high school-wise, Bishop Gorman. I'm not sold on him. One of the biggest swing games, RJ, is probably going to be week one. Right now, Cincinnati, UCLA, yep. yeah, UCLA is a three-and-a-half-point dog at Cincinnati. I like UCLA in that game. I would not be stunned they win that game. And that's fascinating because, on one hand, on these over-unders, it's going to be how good is the team's um, based on its number versus your power rating. And I'm guessing... You think UCLA is a little better than the market? Yeah, I have UCLA as a top 40 team, number 36 in my power ratings. But now, and what do you think the market has? Like just based Closer on- to 50. Okay, so you got that edge. Then what's even more fascinating is there's going to be, and Nate Silver at 538 does this for the presidential election. I can't remember the phrase he uses, but the concept is, what is the likely deciding state? As the polling changes- it usually is going to move across the country in sync, though Michigan, for example, or Pennsylvania might have different interests with the voters in Arizona, for example, or Virginia. So you're going to have the swing states that are more, hey, this state's moving 
uh, from red to purple, and or I guess blue to let me think about that. No, red Republican to purple, like in Arizona, as the demographics change. On the other hand, Pennsylvania went from blue to purple off of Trump being strong with the white working class. So Silver understands, you know, they got a model for all that, much more advanced than I could explain. And then based on the polling, just imagine you have almost like a, a projector with a transparent, you know, the, you know what you write on? There's oh, a little, yeah. And imagine you're moving it over and saying, based on the polling, as you move it left to right, the, this will be the deciding state. Assuming the polling's right. With these games, assuming that the over-unders are generally correct, there's going to be one or two games that decide if you win the under or the over. And it strikes me your handicap in those games becomes important. Because if you have a 17-point dog or 17-point favorite, maybe a team's overrated or underrated. It doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. all that much. But in these handful of games that are the deciders, you having an extra point or two advantage because you think a team's underrated. Plus, if you like them in that matchup, I've never really heard that discussed with these win totals. No, it hasn't. And you bring up, because that was one of my, uh, Colin Coward did his top five college football season win total bets today. Which Brad will be humble (laughs) not to say, but Brad contributed uh, a good bit to that segment. This is where I go. I go to Vegas via the Coward Global Satellite Network, R.J. Bell. Brad Posh. Pregame.com. Yeah, and what I really liked what he did, he took Oregon over, Auburn under. Those two teams play each other. Right now, Auburn's a three-point favorite in week one, and it makes sense that if you like Oregon over, you're going to think that they're probably going to win yeah, that game. Yeah, but see, there's two. Now, when you bankroll manage, when you have correlation yeah. like that, you got to be, you know. Yes, that would be the concern because if Oregon. Now if they loses, let you parlay it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not parlaying season win totals. I love that. That would be great, right? Oh, that's, that's one of the two games that I said they'd need to win if they're going to have a shot at the playoff because if they win that game and they win in Seattle against Washington, who's in the north, I think they can run the table. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. All right, so Ken's on a clock. So why don't, you, why don't we do this? Anything which is theoretical, I will hold for, for after Ken has to run for his show. So, Brad, you take over. I'll be here, but let's rattle through the rest. Yeah, let's do one final conference here. The SEC, KT, who's your favorite season win total? Mississippi State. Now, I played this at eight and a half. It's down to eight pretty much everywhere. So I would... Yeah, I'll only give the number where. uh, Sorry about that, but I'll only give. I'll only give the number. You know how tough it is for me right now, not to say that stuff. And and Brad's, (laughs) dude, I'm like holding back. Brad's Brad's helped me to hear about your great numbers. Brad's helped me make money on on the best numbers because he's the best there is in college football. There's no question about it. Uh, But Mississippi State's still under eight. Schedule is you know kind of difficult for them for Mississippi State. I lean with you, KT, and here's why. 
I thought Mississippi State greatly underachieved last year, and they had historical great talent on the defensive side of the ball. Mississippi State in almost every defensive category was top five. That's not their head coach, Joel Moorhead. That's not the side of the ball. How did they lose the game against Iowa? That's all I'm still wondering. Exactly. Most unbelievable statistical game when you look at defensively how they snuffed out Iowa and they end up losing that game. It's just crazy. Lose all four starters on the defensive line. Two of them went in the first round. That doesn't happen very often in Mississippi State. Agree with you, KT. Lean Mississippi State under eight wins. Do you want to go to mine, uh, RJ, or do I just yeah? Keep where's going your no? What's one? your what's your uh, SEC on uh, over under? I'm going with Auburn under eight wins. Here's my concern with Auburn. By all indications, and, and here's the thing: we got. I mean, now that you know he's got like 12 minutes yeah. left, we got what? Just week one, yeah, and we got one. best bets, right? Yeah, we, we have That's the big. It. We have so the big fine. ten still. We have the you know a couple. Oh, okay, we have the yeah. Big so so do your. Th- I think normal pace here should be good. Okay, uh, I'm going with Auburn under eight wins. The concern that I have for Auburn is. By all indications, they're either going to go with a redshirt freshman or a true freshman at quarterback. So that's a big negative. Now, looking at Auburn's schedule, one of the most difficult schedules in the entire country, let's look at it. I have Auburn currently an underdog in five games. Remember, season win total is eight at Texas A&M, at Florida, at LSU, Georgia at home, Alabama at home, five games where they're a dog. And we already mentioned they're only a short favorite against Oregon and around a touchdown favorite against Mississippi State, you're going to need in those uh, seven games to pass this season win total. Auburn's going to have to go four and three in those games and sweep every other game. And this is an Auburn program that even last year lost a game against Tennessee as a two-touchdown favorite. Gus Malzahn's overrated. There's a reason why he's on the hot seat. Uh, He's bottom 10 in the country against the spread the last five years as a head coach. If you're blindly betting on him, you're 24 and 40 against the number. I'm going Auburn under eight wins. Their strength is in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They have all five offensive linemen coming back, including Winogo, who's outstanding, and Harrell. But on the defensive line, Coe, Brown, and Davidson are all back as well. But that's it. I agree with you. After that, I mean, Whitlow, Martin combination, decent out of the backfield. Receiving core, Schwartz, Williams, okay. But like you said, freshman quarterback, what am I getting there? And then defensively, secondary, you have Davis and Thomas back, but the linebacking core is gone. Got to replace that. Totally agree with you. I think Auburn will struggle to win seven games. So you betting with me? Is that I'm betting double? with you. Okay, double best bet that on that one. Auburn under eight. Speaking of best bets, huh, seems like both you and I, as far as season win totals are for this whole podcast, both have best bets. On the Big Ten Conference, I'll let you lead the way, KT. Best bet for you, Big Ten Conference season win total. All right, I can't let my wife listen to this uh, uh-uh. podcast back, but she hails from just outside of Madison, Wisconsin. I've been there to Camp Randall. I've had a great time both times that I've went, but I'm going Wisconsin under the win total, eight and a half. I think this team, they'll win six games, maybe seven. And I, I, know, I know I'm being hard on them. Look, Paul Chris to me, loses a ton. You lose four of five offensive linemen. One of the starters, projected starters, had to walk away from the game because of injuries. You bring back your center, and you bring back one of the best running backs in the country, maybe the best in Jonathan Taylor. But you've got to have that offensive line and chemistry, their continuity, to open up those holes. You bring in, you know, quarterback-wise, you have a nice freshman waiting. Cone stepped in last year. Hornybrook transfers. I'm not sold this offense is going to score that much. And then defensively, you lose... Your linebacking core, you lose Dakota Dixon, you lose your main guys on the line. I mean, this team is struggling big time. I think, like I said, I think Wisconsin struggles to win. They're not going to have an easy time. The opener at USF, 
They get Central Michigan. Then they get Michigan at home. That's on the 21st of September. Now, if Harbaugh loses that game, he's in trouble. I know it's on the opposite side. He's east and Wisconsin's west. Doesn't matter. Michigan has too much offense. Should take care of business. Northwestern, Wisconsin, yeah, they could win that game. They should They're be, about a touchdown favorite right, right they'll, now. They'll beat Kent State. Michigan State at home, I think they lose that game. At Illinois, won't be easy. I think Lovey Smith, you know, with this four-star, five-star kid that he's got quarterback-wise coming out of uh, Missouri, you know, a freshman kid, I, I think that kid's going to present some problems. I, I like this Illinois team a little bit to go over their win total. At Ohio State, not going to win that game. Iowa at home, not, that's a tough one. At Nebraska, I don't see him winning that game. Purdue at home, we'll see what happens with Purdue. They have a lot of question marks on the defense, but they have one of the best wide receivers in the country, a uh, decent quarterback in Sindelar. And then at Minnesota, let's not forget, flex team, You know he's got two running backs that have been out the last two years coming back along with Ibrahim. So you have a three-headed monster in the backfield. That's no gimme either. I think Wisconsin, again, I have them at six and a half is what I would have made their win total. I think they win six or seven games this year, Brad. You're going to get agreement from me. I also lean with Wisconsin. Even though I have Wisconsin power rate as the the, the best team in the Big Ten West, I hate their schedule if you're pro-Wisconsin. Pull the two best teams from the Big Ten East over, Ohio State and Michigan. And the reality is the Big Ten West is not a pushover division anymore. Nope. Why? They, I mean, kudos to those programs for hiring good, solid coaches. Minnesota is no longer a lab. Wisconsin won 14 straight over their rival last year. That came to an end. Minnesota is much better than what they've been and even better this year. Nebraska is improving under Scott Frost. Jeff Brom, Purdue was a laughing stock for six, seven years in the Big Ten. Now Jeff Brom, they're a bull team. So I think the rest of the Big Ten West has gotten better. Wisconsin doesn't have that clear separation over the rest of the division. And you're pulling the two best teams in the entire Big Ten over, you get agreement from me, Eileen Wisconsin, under eight and a half. Last thing I'll say about Jeff Brom, one of my favorite coaches up and coming, the way he spreads things out. Look, when you start getting receivers and skill position players the way Joe Tiller did, remember what Tiller did there with Breeze and those guys? I mean, even before that, he opened it up. He spread it out. Big Ten was not used to seeing it like that. Just a matter of time before Purdue has three or four of those guys because Brom is that type of coach. There's a reason he turned down his alma mater in Louisville to stay there in West Lafayette, and that's because he sees it as the future, and I see him as being another Joe Tiller and having this Purdue team up there competing to win the Western half every single year. Again, that's Ken Thompson, best bet, under eight and a half wins. Wisconsin, the Big Ten, my best bet, also in the Big Ten season win total. I am taking Michigan State over seven and a half wins. Now, I will say, this line's on the move. You're going to have to pay a pretty big vig here, but I like it so much. If you get end up getting an eight, I'd still go over the season win total. Here's what I like about Michigan State. 17 returning starters, fourth most in the country. Every single starter back on the offensive line, all five, every single starter back on the defensive line, number one rush defense in the entire country last year. A team that only won seven games last year, but KT, they were banged up, lost like 55 starts to injury, so they were much better than their record indicated. And here's a Michigan State program when they got a chip on their shoulder. They're off a disappointing season, and they're looking up to the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Last eight years in the underdog role, Michigan State's won half their games, and they're only going to be an underdog in three games. At Wisconsin, you actually think they can win that game. At Michigan, at Ohio State. Every other game, Michigan State is a favorite in. Seven of those are by double digits 
for Michigan State. My best bet, Michigan State over seven and a half wins. If you got to pay a little bit of VIG on here, don't be afraid to lay it and play it. I like Michigan State, my favorite season win total. Uh, moving along, we wait, got wait, every I, I just want to tell you, yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with you big time. I actually had it listed because I thought RJ wanted two from us uh, from each conference, so Michigan State was that other team. Willikis and Batchy, you're talking about two studs on defense. Batchy, 102 tackles last year. Eight guys back on that defensive side of the ball. Lewerke just needs to take care of the ball, not force things, especially when he's trying to pass the ball on like a third and four, third and five. Look, he's a blue-collar kid. He can take a hit and keep on going. I like the kid. I think if, if he just doesn't turn the ball over. He had 11 interceptions last year. Cut down on that. Michigan State's dangerous not only to go over that win total, but to beat Ohio State and to beat Michigan. And I know when you're playing in Ann Arbor, Michigan State, but we saw freaky things happen there a couple years ago. You never know. This team, like they say, defense wins championships. Michigan State's defense, to me, one of the best in the country. And just to recap, double best, that's a double best bet, right? Yep. You like it enough to bet it? Yes. Double best bet, Syracuse, over six and a half wins. Double best bet, Auburn, under eight wins. Double best bet, Michigan State, over seven and a half wins. And how about this? You and me, KT, got a nice little bet, and you also got a bet with RJ on Kansas, over, under three. I know you got to go here in a second. That's okay, and RJ got me for uh, what, oh, the four teams. I, I'll just give you those four teams. Remember, right there on September 14th, we have uh, four of the top teams in the country all going on the road. Clemson to Syracuse. Yep. Uh, Alabama I've- goes to South Carolina. Indiana is at home against Ohio State, and Oklahoma goes to UCLA. So if UCLA is as improved as you think they are, do you give them a chance to win that game in, the, in Pasadena? I do. And, ah, but I think the line's fair. And, and, look, I'm not afraid to bet a ton of game of the year lines. I, I did not bet any one of those. Actually, my favorite one would be South Carolina plus 20 uh, you know against what? Alabama. That's I'll a tell big you number. what, if Bentley and, uh, and before you, stay good. Before you get out of here, I need one, week one from you, KT. Week one, I took uh, Oregon against Auburn. That Oregon, was, it, plus three. Plus three. It's available. There's some two and a half, shop around three. You got to like the experience edge of quarterback, right? Ten, yeah, well, Herbert coming back, you have 10 on the offensive side of the ball, including the whole offensive line, because Auburn brings back their whole offensive line, but you're going with two freshman quarterbacks. I'm going with a, senior, a guy that I think is, is going to be able to take care of business that a lot of people thought was going to go pro, and I thought he was a little bit disappointing down the twilight of the season last year. But I expect Auburn, uh, Oregon to outscore Auburn and to outscore most teams, including Washington, in the Pac-12. See, I'm neutral on that one. I think three's a, a fair line. And maybe, look, we talk about, you know, kind of setting your ways. Maybe I'm a little cautious because I was big on a Pac-12 team last year, this time of year, against Auburn in the season opener. I loved Washington. And they should have won the ball game. Plus, Mark. plus the mean, points. But right. I got to tell you, there was some early on in that game, I don't know if it was the speed of the SEC and there was some shock and awe, at least early in the game. Last three quarters, Washington was better. There's some hesitation. How about twice inside the 10, they didn't score I got a point. you. I got you, Katie. All, right. All right. So week one for you, you're taking Oregon plus three over Auburn. Week one for me, best bet, Missouri minus 14 and a half over a Wyoming team that I think is in big trouble here. First, here's what I see from Missouri. They are arguably one of the best bullies in college football. Under Barry Odom, their head coach, last four years, they've been a double-digit favorite 11 times. They've won all 11 of those games. They've covered nine of those 11 games by an average of two touchdowns per game, average score 55-16. to And, oh, yeah, Missouri's got a new quarterback this year with something of a chip on his shoulder, Kelly Bryant. I think Missouri runs it up on an overmatched Wyoming team. 
Missouri minus 14 and a half week one for me. Can't disagree with them. And if you're going to go to Laramie, might as well be August 31st, baby. It's going to be nice weather there. Now, but there's two ways to look at that with Laramie, right? Altitude. And haven't we seen Denver in the NFL when they host a game in the first two weeks of Mm. the year? They're so much better because the team's not in game shape yet. So isn't that a disadvantage? It is a disadvantage, but I've seen two Power 5 teams go into Laramie the last two years, Oregon and Washington State, and they've walked away with three touchdown-plus victories. There's just too much of a talent disparity. Mm -hmm. By the way, you were talking about how Missouri did in week one. Was that your No, just as a double-digit favorite. So what we're doing there is profiling coaches. Profiling coaches. Is he willing to... In the whole span of that, is the same coach? Yep, same coach. Four years, 11 times as a double-digit favorite. He's covered the spread by an average of two touchdowns per game. So think about that, guys. Same coach means the thing that matters is the mentality as a big favorite is the same. And the sample size is small, but when you look at ATS margin, you can mitigate the small sample size. Exactly. All right. By the way, can I've decided I'm not going to play the Kansas against you. Okay. And here's why. This is backing you up. I have, or he's gone now, but deep connections at Kansas. The AD Zinger was a lame duck. And when they fired, or for quite a while, he got fired, I think, in March or whatever of, you know, last year. And they knew 138% that the coach was not going to be around. But they were in such upheaval with their budget and all that. They said, listen, we got another buyout. They're, they're, I mean, they got Prince. They got all this. Or I'm sorry, I'm thinking K-State there. But they've got enough buyouts to worry about. Whereas they, it was pretty much, you coach this season. Yeah, maybe if you go to a bowl game, we're going to reconsider. This will be your last season. The whole program understood it was a lame duck situation for the AD and even when he got fired for the head coach. So whatever talent they have, I don't think last year was representative. And they still won three games. Because it was so dis- it was such a disruptive environment. Because let's be honest, if you're 18 or 19, it's a substitute teacher. If you know yeah. this guy's going to be gone the whole year. How seriously are you going to take it? So I think whatever talent they have is going to – forget if Les Miles was just average – and in, in theory, he's better than that. I think that this team will do better than you think because we're comparing it to last year, right? Yeah. Reinstatement of Puka Williams was big. That's the only reason I went over. Now. You still got to bet with me, though. We got to yeah. do best bets, right? We did them. Oh, we you did. Did, did you play Blossom? I didn't play Blossom. Well, then how can you do a best bet? I don't know. I didn't well, want to. You have a bonus best bet on the Heisman, don't you? Yeah, I do. All right, so, Ken, we'll, get, we'll see you again before the season. Okay. And I thought you excelled today. I appreciate that. So Sports X Radio is the show, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. Appreciate you. And Brad Powers, uh, you were the man as far as college football. And Ken, feel, Ken does not yeah. give compliments. No, he no I, I feel during the season that I can hold my own with just about everybody. But as far as prior to the season and just throughout the year, nobody better than Brad Powers. Well, and we have a Heisen Best Bet coming up. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Heisman best bet for me. Let me first, I have three rules when it comes to Heisman betting 101, and I'll get to my best bet. All right, so first, though, let's, uh, 
We have to, I think we should limit three mentions a calendar year now that we're getting a little away from it. But you've given the first year right off the turnip truck. truck. So yeah. Did, did your farm produce turnips? No, no turnips. Sugar beets. Are you serious? Yeah. Back in the day, 20 years ago. <laughs> but when you just pulled into town yeah. <laughs> on the sugar beet truck. You show up over to ESPN Vegas, and you give us Ohio State over. And that's impressive, but what else? Well, I reckon I'll tell you, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're confused. This isn't Haystack. This is you. Oh, okay. This is you. I'm not that much different. <laughs> that's what I've been told. 100 to 1, Lamar Jackson won the Heisman. That's my sleeper for you, RJ. That was true, We have got to find that it's, audio. Oh, it's we got it. All right. It's on tape. Now, the next year, what did you do? I went Bryce Love 100 to 1. And he got second. Wow. That would have been nice, like a top that three. That would have been. You think they would have, like, for the long shots, like a finalist payoff? Some offshore books do. Like one did. And then last year? I had a couple. I mean, I Nothing bet. did well, though. No, I, I, I ended up with Kyler Murray 25 to 1. He won it. How many did you bet? Three. All right. What were the three? Dwayne Haskins, who finished third. He hmm. was 25, uh, no, 30 to 1. Jake Browning was thirty-five to one. He didn't. He so stayed. you had three between twenty-five and thirty-five to yep. one, and now you've won two out of three years. Yep. Now we're not going to give them all to you. In fact, I'm I'm going to tell you not to give like a second or third pick. Okay. We got to keep them, string them along. Yeah. I just got one right now. For, well, okay. And straight out of Vegas. And by the way, I'm I'm. I mean, this went longer. I loved it because the guys were so great. But we're going to hold the NBA talk for next week. Because let's be candid, next couple of weeks, uh, good topics are going to be hard to come by. So we'll get some RJ stories. Some Brad- we'll talk about Brad's love life. We were talking about Brad's love life on national radio. <laughs> and I got to tell you, the response was through the roof. I mean, yeah. some woman groups are uh, thinking of protesting, yeah. Brad. But but just in general, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of interest. Yeah. A lot of interest. <laughs> a lot, and not necessarily a lot of action. Mm, (laughs) but but a lot of interest speaking of action wore the cowboy boots cowboy hat walked around a lot of action that week a lot of action (laughs) back next week steve fezzik so throughout the month of july and august we'll give the heisman best bets as you think they present themselves also straight out of vegas i gotta tell you guys we're hitting our stride because the question is, it has to be high energy. It can't be too complex. But we're finding that balance of giving the very best Vegas stuff in an understandable way and then applying the Vegas perspective to the big stories of the day in a way, quite frankly, no one else does or can, at least in my experience. So if you haven't listened, Fox Sports Radio, 200 stations, if you got it live in your local market, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, great. Or podcast, just search RJ Bell. Also, you can get this one subscribed on your favorite platform that you listen to pods. Or the iHeartRadio app or FoxSportsRadio.com. Think about it. It is Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd, Doug Gottlieb, and then Brad Powers. <laughs> I mean, that that is where... No. That what do you mean? That, that, is, that is where we are right now, and all joking aside, Brad is 
the most imp- I mean, listen, he was fine last year. This guy is a, you know, the same kind of energy he puts into his college handicapping is what he puts into, you know, pretty much everything he does except dating. And that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but the, but the fact, of, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is to be candid, you see it in the performance. I mean, one, when he took over as host, when I went to get my Kit Kat, I mean, it was in Coke Zero, it was just like smooth as silk. This guy is going to be hosting shows. And he's done it. And let's be candid. He's not funny. But this isn't comedy. Comedy's a bonus. But the info from this guy, especially when he gets a counterpunch and not have to host, elite and his presentation, elite. And, uh, you know, listen, we bust balls more than we do anything. And because that's what, you know, competitive people tend to do. And when I hear guys that work for the same company always loving each other, it's like it feels fake. Well, you know, with me, the main complaint I get is I'm too hard on the boys and too hard on Fezzik. When I give a compliment, I think you know I mean it. Brad, not only obviously elite at college, he's a worker. And this is a guy, I can't imagine how good he's going to be in 10 years at all the things he's doing. So we're lucky to have him. We'll have him for, I don't know, are you going to be gutsy enough to uh, to go into the NFL waters this year, you think? I think so. Mm, he doesn't seem confident there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I was just like, maybe I was playing him up. Yeah. Just to try to get him into the NFL. Yeah, yeah that's why I was. You like, know what I think is you're, you're really your under undiscovered greatness is as an NFL handicapper. That people tell me that. That's what I'm saying. Is people this, actually say your NFL is better and it exactly is so better think, than my college. Well, first off, yeah. in any length of time, it's yeah. not going to be better. Yes. In a short period, it might. Yes. But I still think you're probably better in Fazic, better than me, better than Matty Holt. So I think this year you should just bet. Whatever you feel. <laughs> yeah, just go with your trust your gut. Ugh. But all joking aside, this guy is a comer and we're lucky to have him. Now, all that said, you got your rules. Three simple rules when it comes to betting the Heisman. This is the one uh, area, the prop, where it's okay to bet long shots. Eight of the last 10 Heisman winners have been 20 to 1. Or greater, meaning 25 to 1, 30 to 1, 100 to 1 if you're Lamar Jackson. Eight of the last 10, 20 to 1 or greater in the preseason. It's a quarterback award, rule number two. 16 of the last 19 winners of the Heisman have been a quarterback. So if you're not betting a quarterback, please do so. Don't be betting wide receivers and running backs. Quarterback award. Finally, number three rule, betting the Heisman. Has to play on a highly rated team. Average regular season wins for this team that win the, on the player that wins the Heisman eleven. So he's typically on a team that goes eleven and one, maybe ten and two, maybe twelve and zero. Oh. So I only have right now in the marketplace one guy that fits these three criteria. He's a twenty to one or greater. He's a quarterback, and he plays on a team that's got a season win total in that ten and a half, eleven range. And he's the quarterback for Georgia, Jake Fromm. 20 to 1. Two year starter, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country each of the last two years. George is going to be favored in all 12 games this year. I have number three in my power ratings. And I got to say, this year, RJ, two overwhelming favorites Tua and Trevor, quarterbacks for Clemson and Alabama. But 
the Heisman lately, RJ, has become kind of a what have you done for me lately. And if you're winning these big games, you know, early on in the season, Georgia has one prime time against Notre Dame at home. And if you're maybe winning a big game late, maybe Jake Fromm finally gets over that Alabama hump. Sometimes, you know, the writers tend to go with, you know, the hot quarterback, the hot name. And Jake Fromm could be that quarterback this year. Jake Fromm, 20 to 1, my Heisman favorite bet right now. Okay, a couple questions. One, does he have to beat Alabama to win? <sighs> mm. Probably, yeah. And what's the current number on that? They don't play each other. Okay, so then when you say get over the hump, what did you mean? Well, they're going to probably most likely play each other in an SEC championship game. Okay. And, and we Heisman. saw basically Tua underperform in that game and basically lose the Heisman that day. Okay. So I could see him, if they make the champion, if each make the championship game, Alabama, yep. Georgia, and it's some high scoring 48 45 and Alabama wins, I think the Georgia quarterback could win easy. Yep. If anything, it might be better for him. It's like he was the guy, he was John Elway asked fighting against it. The whole team was better. He was the one, you know. So I kind of like they don't play during the regular season because yep. if they got beat in week five, that, right? Yep. That's interesting. And I also think the idea that what have you done for me lately is more that the new cycles are so repetitious. There's so many of them. Is repetitious, right? Repetition. Yeah. Yep. Is <laughs> There's so many of them that you get bored. It doesn't matter how big the story is, you get bored. We got bored with Tua. Yep. That's what happened. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason that he was 90% and underperformed. If the assumption was one underperformance was going to cause <laughs> him to lose, then he wouldn't have been 90%, yeah. right? Yep. And I think it's the other side of the coin about where you don't need to be known before the season. Yep. And we've, we always talk about the, the, the Thrill Hill example with A&M. Yep, Kenny Hill. So right after, tell the you know quick story. Yeah, right after he goes on throws. And five, Johnny Football had won it the year before, right? Johnny Football won it two years prior. Okay, but he was replacing Johnny Football. Uh, Kenny Hill goes out first game, throws five touchdown passes. ESPN against, game. Yep, against South Carolina, and all of a sudden he's in the top five of the Heisman. And not we, even really listed top five of the Heisman. Jameis Winston and Johnny. So Manson. just to be clear, one one game before the one game he wasn't even like he was in the field. Yep. Okay. In the field. Same thing with Jameis Winston a couple years prior. Primetime game against Pittsburgh on Labor Day night. Not in the conver- in the field as far as the Heisman. Goes out, throws four or five touchdown passes. He becomes you know top five favorite after one game. And now, so what we're saying is if it were today when the news cycle, even from you know five years ago, whatever, where the news cycle moves even faster, if you do that on opening day and continue playing well, Chances are someone's going to have a monster in week eight or nine, and maybe you get passed by, or in this case, literally the last week of the season. Yep. So to me, this is a long shot. It's almost like the Kawhi bet, Toronto, uh, and obviously the Lakers were the two favorites. But we really don't know. Like, we're so used to know. He, here's a concept I haven't really discussed fully because I don't fully grasp it yet. Such a large percentage of our bets is with so much known information. When the Steelers play the Ravens, we know almost everything. Now it's just interpreting the information. When the information isn't known, like what Kawhi's going to do, he, no. who knows if he knew? Right? Who knows yeah. anything? 
we still act as if whatever, wherever the evidence points is going to be a big favorite. Just like in a game like the Steelers and Ravens, the evidence is going to give us a strong opinion. But when your information is so much weaker in general, when you know a lesser percentage of 100%, we still have an instinct to thinking whatever we decide with this weaker evidence is just as strong as an opinion. And the Heisman, to me, is a perfect example. You've got all this evidence, but by definition, you're saying I'm playing 20 to 1 or better because I don't really know. I want to have a portfolio of five or six. I mean, if, all, if you had five 25 to 1 guys... It's effectively a five to one bet that that bundle is one of the bundles going to win. Yep. And that's why you want to have a portfolio, but all of them long shots because anytime a, a player becomes closer to a favor, it's the market misassessing how certain the evidence allows you to be. That's new. That is new. Hmm. And and think about there's these certain type of bets that the long shot comes in in an ordinate amount of time. Yep. See, but we already gave the in dreams, huh? Or did we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. I, I gave you a bunch. All right, I'll do that. Hold on. Talking about the great one, R.J. Bell. All yeah. right. I mean, I didn't say it. What am I supposed to? Thanks for hitting the button there, Brad. Yep. <laughs> Anytime. Last question about this. When you say you have to have a winning team, what does that mean? Because it strikes me now, is a non-playoff, like, is it almost they got to be a playoff team? Yeah, you got to have a national title contender. More often than not. but Not but, always, but I would but say 90%. correct me if I'm wrong, the Heisman voting happens when compared to the college football Final Four being set. It happens. Because it's the, the, if I'm not mistaken, the actual presentation still, is a week later, right? A week later. But you can still vote on the Heisman championship week which is the last the, the last games are played so a week before the Heisman you can still get you can still so really there is no such thing as a contender it's as much you're in the in the playoffs yes all right so well the deadlines before they announce the playoffs yeah but uh, but it's pretty much be know who yes so there might be five teams you know usually there's a fifth team maybe that's kind of yeah. in it or at least competitive to get in it so you're saying it's got to be one of the five best teams yep okay and thus, we're back to does Georgia need to win? I but, think, but we're also back to hey, if they lose a close one and they're undefeated coming in, they probably are the fifth best team. Oh yeah. So okay. yeah. So it's it's. But so every so last year, your three guys that you picked were they all projected to be on top five teams? They they were all top ten. Washington. I was higher on Washington than the market. I had them like sixth preseason, fifth or sixth. Market had them like eight or nine. So it's interesting how there's a lot of correlation here. Because on one hand, if you're high on the team, you're going to think they're top five material when others might not. And number two, you're only going to win the Heisman if your player, in this case the quarterback, plays exceptionally well. And if he plays exceptionally well, the odds of them being in the top five go up. Mm. So there's really a lot of if-thens here, but they're all correlated to if you're right about this guy's going to excel – in the teams, a top 12 type team, the chance of it being top five goes up. Yep. All right. Anything else? No, that's it for me. Pretty interesting stuff. Brad Powers again on Twitter, and he puts his stuff out a good bit. It gets a little, sometimes, there's still a little, you know, we had a compliment for him. 
he gets a little worked up when people challenge him on Twitter. You think? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you're improving on that? Yeah, I'm trying. How there do you th- was, how do you think about it? Uh well, I think. I, do you, do you I, ever think that you know this person would would <laughs> trade anything to be you? Because that's probably the way to think about it. Yeah, I shouldn't think. I don't think about that enough. <laughs> I still have. I don't know. I still have this chip on my shoulder. Fighting against, but the, but see the thing is the chip should yeah. drive your energy that you put into work. Yeah, it shouldn't drive the energy you put into Twitter beefs. True, <laughs> <laughs> and it really is an interesting point. When do you ever see anyone of any consequence in in Twitter beefs? Like, can you? I mean, let's think of media. Could you imagine Stephen A. Smith? No, I haven't I, seen that. I no. mean, Stephen A. on Twitter, like. Arguing with somebody, How I've cra- seen Colin argue with some people on Twitter. Kirk Herbstreit's done it. Well, for, well, first off, let's yeah. see what, what what was the Colin situation. Oh, he's he's like you know laughed at fans for questioning him and stuff like that. Okay, so that's not yeah. a Twitter beef. That's true. That's a hit and run. Yes, and like I said, Stephen A. No way. I hear you, R.J. Bell. I hear you. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to be. Now listen. Yeah. If someone above you, meaning media standing, whatever, if they question, here's the way I approach it. That's the right way. Well, if someone, it's, it's been an evolution. If someone who you could imagine deserves respect, and to me that's any, if someone asks a sincere question and I look at it, and, what, and that's what I mean is I don't get a chance to look at every reply just as you know, as the numbers go up and moving towards 200k, there's so many of them I don't get to read everyone, but I read probably 85 percent. I try to read them. If someone asks a respectful question, I don't care if they have eight followers and it's an egg uh, in the picture. I am going to answer once. If I ever respond after it's like chocolate, vanilla, chocolate, vanilla, you know that stuff isn't you know there's no point to that, right? Yep. Is if they reply with a valid question, like clarify that, or this seems incongruent or whatever, I'll go back and forth until I feel like it's resolved because I'm learning something if they're really asking because I either am wrong or I'm uh, expressing something in a confusing way. But to me, once repetition starts, that's the time to check out. Tell them, hey, we've talked this through. Reasonable people disagree. That, I think, one, it respects everyone who asks a question, and two, I I think it can be a learning experience. But when it's opinions being debated, like as if they're facts, that's when you're wasting time. Or, in my opinion, uh, what what used to happen to me more, it doesn't as much because the haters kind of realize that I've escaped, I've reached escape velocity and nothing they do or say really can mean anything to me at this point. That meaning my career. Like, could you imagine Fox Sports Radio going, yeah, we got him calling Gottlieb, RJ, and Brad. But, uh, you know, there was this one guy on Twitter that doesn't like RJ. I wonder what we should do. I'm, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of stopped for me. But you're going to get that attention as you're trying to reach escape velocity they're, they're going to try to bring you down. So, and again, it's just human nature because there are, you, you know, what's funny. Usually the worst haters are the smartest haters. 
Like there's not a the dumb haters don't get any traction. So maybe they keep hating, but who's you know if someone's misspelling words and yeah. they're I mean how much how you know how seriously is anyone going to take it? But it's when someone's bright that isn't having the same success as you, and that's the thing about this. There's the betting success and there's the media success, and you've got a lot of betters that just aren't smart enough or self aware enough, maybe more likely to understand what game they're playing. It's back to this idea of what is the rules, what are the rules of your game. For for you, you're playing two games at once. You're a batter and you're also a media personality. And the question is going to be and we talk about this at least once a month, how much energy you put into one, how much you put into the other. Now, Brad's always going to be expert of the things he talks about. That's the thing. It's not about, oh, should I enter into this radio show, this podcast without the proper knowledge. The question is, how wide of a scope should that knowledge be? So with Fezzik, he decided, you know, years ago, I'm only going to originate in the NFL and NBA for the most part. And otherwise, I'm going to lean on guys like Brad. I'm going to have my opinion on college, but it's not going to be as informed as a guy like Brad. Brad, you're the same thing in the NFL? Well, yep. you know, some would say, but again, you might be able to transcend that. So I think your NFL is awesome. But... Thank you. Oh, <laughs> wow. But, <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. But, but the fact of the matter is, a lot of... And, and here's the thing you, you cannot forget. There are some brilliant batters that aren't making a ton of money. Because the market's getting tougher and tougher. And, you know, I haven't read it yet. I missed it the first time. Did you see The Ringer had a thing on the death of a pro batter or something? Oh, I haven't. Yeah, it was about a month ago almost. But um, I just saw it in another thread, and I missed it the first time. But, you know, the basic premise from what I could gather is, hey, listen, the William Hills of the world, they don't want pros. And who effectively does? Not many. And thus, it's going to be like blackjack. Once you get good enough to get banned is when you get banned. So doesn't mean that if you have a huge operate, that's the thing. You got. I think this is going to be the one-man, the two-man shops don't really work anymore. What's going to work is the syndicates. Even if it's a smaller syndicate, let's say five, six, seven people, all sharing information, all putting money in the pool, but now they got enough resources to have like two executors. If you have two people full-time, all they're trying to do is get accounts. Then now if the other five are doing other things, and maybe it's not, maybe it's four people, because I think the execution is at least half of the game now. Yep. Not just getting the best number, but being able to get down at all. And that's what they're expert at is they got, hey, my buddy in Jersey can come back around and try to get in these four books or whatever. Or my buddy in Jersey can go walk up at the window Right. Forgetting the, you know, whatever the state and I'm not recommending this, whatever the wire act laws are or whatever, you got to check. But if you want to follow the letter of the law. But to me, the one guy, you know, that's why physics in his boots and his yeah. his stuff is, the, you know, he half of the books, even in Vegas, either have banned him or restricted him. You know, restriction, for example, being like at stations, I think he said and I'm certain he said. He gets a bet once a day. If he bets his stations, he can come up once. He can make as many bets as he wants at the, you know, the limits they gave him. 
But if 20 minutes later he sees a number, they do not want him picking them off all day. Okay, how much does that hinder him there? I'd say at least 50% of his return on investment is hindered or dampened because of that. And then you get situations where someone's limits are so low. I mean, this is a game of volume. If you're betting 500 and you have a 10% ROI, it's 50 bucks. You bet 5,000 is 500. Question is how much can you get get down? It's it's very difficult. So what I'm encouraged by and what you should be encouraged by in the listening world in the audience is the idea that as the physics of the world have more and more trouble getting down, they're going to make the media part of their career a bigger percentage of the pie because they can make money that way too. And it doesn't mean there's no one that, hey, listen, I'm sure there's going to be someone on Twitter that talks about the 18 different ways they get down and how they have a little mini group. And I'm not saying it's does, I'm not saying they haven't cracked the code. I'm saying they probably spend a significant portion of the time worrying about getting down. And the question is, if you partner with someone like that, you got to try. That's the thing about these partnerships. Oh, yeah. It's not, I mean, who's holding the money, right? Who's collecting? And if there's even a one in a hundred chance that they're going to leave with the whole bankroll or 40% of it, and then they get their half of the other, however it works, all of a sudden now, where does that fit into the risk model? Because anyone that's ever bet any real money with any group will tell you about half the time there's some catastrophe at some point. So it doesn't matter if it's a year from now or three years from now. If you lose, you know, 50K of a bankroll, how much money did you make over those years with that? You know, it's going to turn out that when you win, you really don't because someone's going to steal it. Now, I'm not saying every time, but it's a real uh, factor. So it's got to be someone you trust. It's got to be someone that's good at it. I mean, Billy Walters ultimately, allegedly, it was all about his ability to get out. And he had very ingenious ways to not only move numbers, but also get people to, to, to get his bets in, allegedly. And I think that it was a picnic getting bets down 10 years ago compared to today. Final thoughts, Brent? A lot of that resonates, especially with me. You know, as my bankroll gets a little bit bigger, uh, some of the conversations you and I have had, you know, sit downs and stuff, it's re- it's resonating more and more because there was a couple places this past football season where I, I've been flagged and stuff like that, and this is the first time that I've been limited at certain places. So it's just the beginning. Yeah, I know. All right, guys, we'll be back next week, normal time, talking NBA and everything else, and also maybe another Heisman pick from Brad. And I've got a read to do here. No commercials this time, but a read about Adam Kroll I'm going to do in a second. But first, an homage one more time for Ken. These are the 24 Pythons, the largest arms to ever enter Gold's Gym Daddy. All right. Last thing is the read. Rev up your engines. <laughs> Adam Kroll is teaming with Podcast One to bring you Going Racing your new favorite high-speed racing podcast. Join Adam and Matt 
as they recap some of their conversations with the most known names in the automotive world and hear about the best races, fastest cars, and biggest names in the automotive industry. Get ready, set, and go. Download new episodes of Going Racing every week on Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. By the way, every week during the football season, me, RJ, and Adam do a segment and two years now, two for two on winning years. Kevin and Bean, five years? Well, five for five. Three NFL picks a week in front. Documented by whom? By millions. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. 